I was thinking about what it means to fail to be mindful. I mentioned previously that despite practicing meditation, I'm really not very good at being mindful. Mindfulness meditation seeks to use close attention to become fully present rather than being lost in thought and controlled by it. What does that really mean? What is the feeling of being fully present? A major part of it seems to be to stop the process of thinking about what is happening next, to stop planning. When this works, it feels like taking a break from your personality. Believe me, when you have my personality, that's a welcome development. I wonder if there is something about the experience of time that is at work in mindfulness. By focusing on the breath or gazing into the darkness behind the eyes, perhaps we can widen the aperture of time consciousness. One of the things I have learned from theoretical physics is that traveling at maximum speed through space, that is at the speed of light, entails not traveling in time. Traveling slowly through space, as planets and stars do, means traveling forward in time at a good clip. The faster one moves through space, the slower one moves through time. By analogy, perhaps we can experience the fullness of time as it passes by clearing our minds of all the distractions that carry it away. Leading neuroscientific theories of consciousness widely acknowledge the importance of functional integration across much of the thalamocortical system during states of consciousness. This integration must be of a physical nature. By the end of August, I have to submit an invited manuscript for a special issue of Frontiers in Human Neuroscience. I've put myself in the position of defending the proposition that the integration underlying conscious states occurs in both space and time. My framework, the Temporally Integrated Causality Landscape, TICL, rests strongly on the idea of continuous consciousness across time. My theory was highly influenced by Integrated Information Theory, IIT, but it differs from IIT because I insist on accounting for the sense of temporal continuity. In IIT, the exclusion principle says that conscious experiences have definite borders and a particular spatial and temporal grain. This implies that consciousness occurs as a sequence of discrete moments. In fact, it looks to me as if the substrate of consciousness must differ from moment to moment according to IIT. I'm not convinced that a continuous point of view makes sense under that regime. Suppose that a new consciousness emerges every 200 milliseconds over a new set of neurons. Each subsequent being exists just long enough to ponder, I think, therefore, I think, therefore, I think, therefore, but in no continuous conscious being has the longevity to complete the thought and declare, I am. I have an open mind and I'm not willing to foreclose upon this possibility just because it seems wrong. But it seems to me and accords with the TICL that I think, therefore I am, and not only that, my friend, but I still am now, and I still am now. Thus, an overly limited spatial and temporal grain makes IIT difficult to swallow. But at least IIT accepts the importance of integration in time and space. The semi-field theory described by John Joe McFadden is an electromagnetic field theory of consciousness which holds that consciousness is integrated across space, but not time. If I am to write a compelling argument to submit for publication next month, I need to get into the literature on two major subjects, electromagnetic fields in the brain and consciousness of time. Since the subject is closer to home, I am beginning with the latter subject. Time is whatever is measured by a clock. If the universe never changed, if there were no motion, the notion of time would not apply. The hands of a clock would not turn. Planets would not orbit stars. It is evident that we can experience change. The contents of consciousness are always in motion, coming and going. 
Our eyes move rapidly from place to place. Sounds come and go. But notice that even if you stare straight ahead and nothing you see is moving around, you still have a sense of passing time. To take this further, if you were to lie in a sensory deprivation chamber in complete darkness with your ears thoroughly plugged, you would nevertheless sense the passage of time. I'm not claiming that our sense of time is always accurate, but it seems to be with us whenever we are aware. Today, I'm interested in exploring how the sense of time must fit into our understanding of consciousness. I'm looking at a paper called Time Consciousness, The Missing Link in Theories of Consciousness by Lachlan Kent and Mark Whitman. It just appeared in 2021, and sadly, it does not make reference to the TICL. But it does bring up some of the same concerns that my theory addresses. I sent an email to Lachlan Kent, the corresponding author, in the hopes that we could have a discussion. Happily, he got back with me, and we are supposed to have a conversation sometime tomorrow. Kent and Whitman say that according to cognitive neuroscience, time consciousness has extension, somewhere between a few hundred milliseconds and a few seconds. And in agreement with my writing, consciousness is understood as flowing continuously in time. They write, quote, Whatever the actual extent of the experienced moment and its underlying neural mechanisms, the original and principal distinction captured in the concept of time consciousness is between punctate, point-like present moments, plural, on the one hand, and the integration of those moments into an extended, field-like present moment, singular, on the other hand. Perception and action evolve as discontinuous processing of discrete momentary units. These moments are characterized by the idea of cotemporality. Events within such a time unit have no before-after relation. Speech recognition, for example, is enabled through the 3 to 6 hertz segmentation of the continuous speech stream into temporal units for perceptual and linguistic analyses. Neural microstates, as recorded by electroencephalogram, of around 125 milliseconds duration have, for example, been discussed as potential critical time windows as atoms of thought, which functionally integrate neural events across the cortex. These non-conscious, discrete, functional moments are ascribed by their dynamic range over a few hundred milliseconds, as opposed to the latter conscious and continuous experienced moment that ranges over a few seconds. In short, continuity entails temporal flow between discrete temporal units. Discrete time refers only to a minimally extended present that can be thought of as a basic temporal unit. Discreteness does not apply to a maximally extended present that requires passage or flow between discrete time units. Such maximal extension is continuous by definition, and that it could not possibly be otherwise because it entails the co-consciousness of percepts that are not simultaneous. That is, extended experiences exhibit temporally ordered structure but are nevertheless perceived as a unified whole. An example often cited is how people hear the musical phrase, Hey Jude, within a separable but unified perceptual whole that holds both discrete units, Hey and Jude, within the same continuous experience of the full Hey Jude phrase. Any theory of consciousness that aims to include time consciousness must therefore explain how the brain achieves this feat at a neural level. Our analysis below suggests that with only one or two exceptions, many of the leading candidate theories cannot explain continuity or flow because they are methodologically and thus theoretically constrained to short, discrete, non-conscious functional moments." Unquote. It seems like a lot of theories fail to distinguish between the dynamics of conscious contents and the features of consciousness itself. Consciousness is the thing in which contents occur, the point of view from which contents are appraised. 
According to the TICL, contents occur within consciousness because the subsystems in the brain which produce the contents exist within the larger system which produces consciousness. It stands to reason, then, that the perception of time is a kind of conscious content, either directly or indirectly. Time passes within consciousness. This suggests that consciousness extends beyond brief, discrete moments of a couple hundred milliseconds. At the same time, it is apparent to us that we exist in a present moment, not spread across 20 seconds or a whole minute, but one brief moment. This seems pretty consistent from experience to experience. So what is the true temporal breadth of human consciousness? I have tended to estimate that one second is close. Imagine being asked to place events in order. This task might refer to a relatively long or short period of time. You might be asked with regard to your day, in which order you brushed your teeth, fed the cat, and ate your breakfast. If it is now sometime in the evening, then these events are relegated to memory. You call upon your memory and can probably recount with ease and accuracy what order those things occurred earlier on. But in very short time frames, say two or three seconds, we essentially experience the events here and now in real time. We are interacting with the event. We are speaking or listening or taking action. Things are occurring in a discernible order, but the order is not called up by cognitive functions so much as just perceived as it is. According to Kent and Whitman, in its earlier versions, IIT was not focused on brief periods of time like it has been more recently. They write, quote, The question, then, is why there has been a shift in emphasis between earlier and later versions of IIT. Consistent with Tononi et al., 2016, the review by Northoff and, Le and, and LeMay, 2020, concluded that IIT concerned only early processing after stimulus onset, 100 to 300 milliseconds. The key is after stimulus onset, meaning that the methodological application of IIT has constrained the theory due to the reliance on stimulus-based paradigms. It's not within the scope of this article to explore the temporal characteristics of these methodologies in detail, and so we take it on face value. That IIT deals almost exclusively with short, discrete functional moments, despite Tononi 2004 acknowledging that a, quote, single conscious moment, unquote, can extend up can extend up to a few seconds. As Fakid et al. in 2016 pointed out, IIT needs to show how the property of exclusion is dynamic and continuous over a typical spatiotemporal grain of experience across spatial and temporal scales. The impact of this issue for IIT may extend beyond mere methodology too. In order to calculate a value of phi and the quantity of consciousness at any given time, IIT relies on a synchronic summative approach that assumes a point-like value at time t. This can then be compared with another time t, and a conclusion can be made about the amount of consciousness based on comparison between the two time points. This is a problem for time consciousness that is field-like as opposed to point-like, because a temporal field contains multiple points, and so multiple phi's meaning that the value of phi at any given time is not a single value that can be compared veridically. Using an alternative non-synchronic, i.e. diachronic, non-summative approach to calculating phi requires a notion of dynamic change or spread of values. In temporospatial theory of consciousness, TCC, Northoff and Huang use a measure of intrinsic temporal autocorrelation of neural activity spanning across multiple timescales from milliseconds to seconds to minutes to describe a repertoire of scale-free dynamics that is not bound to the onset of a, paradigma a paradigmatic stimulus.
This approach has already been applied to explain the breakdown of consciousness in general anesthesia, and isolated studies have examined resting state functional temporal dynamics during sleep in relation to IIT and global neuronal workspace theory. Perhaps IIT could better utilize this kind of temporal scale-free approach to calculating phi, and in, in doing so, return to the expanded timescales of conscious experience cited in early formulations of the theory. The important feature is that dynamics need to be construed over a continuous range of hierarchically nested timescales with a particular spatiotemporal grain." Unquote. Nested timescales sounds like the TICL. In my 2020 paper in Consciousness and Cognition, I wrote, quote, Integration refers to the unification of parts into a single system. For the TICL, a large integrated system of elements coexists with smaller integrated subsystems that occur within it, each of which has its own level of integrated causality in time. These subsystems are thus differentiated from one another and from the system at large. The system and its subsystems exhibit integration among their elements with some amount of causality over some amount of time. Temporally integrated causality can be expressed as the amount of causality over the delay in causality among elements of a subsystem or system in which all have direct or indirect positive influence, causality, on the future likelihood of themselves and other elements to produce further causality, action potentials. Thus, a given amount of causality requiring a long period of time will yield a lower TIC as compared to the same amount of causality occurring in a short period of time. The amount of TIC exhibited by one element upon another is governed by factors such as the action potential firing rate at the first element, the number of synapses between the two elements, the strength of those synapses, the size of the postsynaptic cell, and so on. Delay in causality is inevitable within a neuronal system. This reflects the physical distance between elements, thickness of myelination, degree of indirectness of the causality, etc. The system containing all of the subsystems underlying conscious experience may be one having a low but non-zero level of TIC. According to the TICL, specific contents emerge and have specific meaning because the temporally integrated causality of their underlying subsystems is higher than that of the system overall. If it were not, then the would-be subsystem would be lost in the noise of the system. Thus, I define a subsystem as any set of integrated elements in the system which has a higher degree of TIC than that of the whole system. Moreover, the system from which the point of view emerges is more than the sum of its subsystems. I hypothesize that the vast majority of elements which at any given time exhibit some degree of TIC in the system occur within the noise of the system and do not contribute meaningful conscious contents, rather they contribute to the background against which con conscious contents emerge and have meaning. This contention that an integrated system contains differentiated subsystems which individually exhibit higher levels of TIC is in direct contrast to the maximum of intrinsic cause-effect power proposed as a substrate of consciousness in IIT. For IIT, integrated information is the amount of information generated by the whole system above that of its constituent parts. In the TICL, the system provides the point of view from which the subsystems get their meaning. According to this framework, the level of TIC for the smaller subsystems must exceed that of the larger system in which they occur. This is what distinguishes a subsystem from any random set of elements within the system. TIC is closely related to entropy in that the larger system has a higher degree of randomness or disorder than do the subsystems." Unquote. Individual contents might appear and be distinguished within time frames like a few hundred milliseconds. Why does this lead some theorists to the conclusion that consciousness itself 
occurs on that scale. By insisting that consciousness is intrinsic, that it exists to itself, IIT conflates consciousness with its content. This is a subtle but critical problem. It looks to me as if phi max is a measure of the integrated information of the most salient piece of content occurring over a certain time frame. This might correspond to a strong stimulus that has just been presented to the brain. A moment later when the stimulus is no longer coursing through the network, phi max might be a much smaller figure. But the subject is no less conscious. The TICL flips this model over. The overall system has a low but non-zero level of integrated causality occurring over a longer time period. The subsystems within it have a higher level of integrated causality over a shorter period of time. The key is to understand that the contents of consciousness must exist within the conscious mind. Brief events which we can experience occur within the domain of consciousness itself. That points to a wider time frame for consciousness than many theories claim. In the Principles of Psychology, William James wrote, quote, Consciousness does not appear to itself chopped up in bits. Such words as chain or train do not describe it fitly as it presents itself in the first instance. It is nothing jointed. It flows. A river or a stream are the metaphors by which it is most naturally described. In talking of it hereafter, let us call it the stream of thought, of consciousness, or of subjective life." Unquote. Is consciousness really a stream? Perhaps it is time which flows. It's as though we are standing in the river of time facing upstream. We exist firmly planted in the midst of the stream. The future flows toward us in the form of the water up ahead, and whatever it is carrying along with its current advances ever closer. Behind us, the water which has already passed us by floats further and further into the distance. It is behind our backs, and thus we can no longer see it. Like a stick bobbing along on the surface toward us, events in the future approach nearer and nearer until they are upon us. Some events take up more of the river or take longer to pass, the difference between a small stick and a floating log. Once the events arrive within our reach, we can interact with them and make a difference to their outcome. The river of time flows in waves and ripples around us. It passes through our hands. We disturb its path. We are not points in space without dimension. So the present, as it occurs in consciousness, is not instantaneous. How great is its breadth? What small piece of the river of time is ours to encounter? As long as we are conscious, the river flows through us and past us. When we fall unconscious, it is as if we have stepped out of the river of time. When we step back in, we discover that the river has gone on flowing in the hours of our absence. We open our eyes and behold events once again. They say fish don't know they're wet. The point is they are immersed in the water all of their lives, just as you and I are immersed in the gas of the lower atmosphere. We do not notice the air around us. It's just the empty space between us and other things. When you're immersed in something, you cease to notice its presence. Time is like that. When we are lost in thought and imagination, constantly distracted, we forget that we are immersed in time. But if we sit still and manage to pay close enough attention, we can catch a glimpse of raw sensation. We can hear the ambient noise. We can sense the tingling on our skin. We can gaze at the shimmering darkness behind our eyelids and see that the void is not empty. If we pay close attention, we can feel the cool water flowing around us in the river of time. 